you light up my life. Top 1000 radio listeners all over the globe. It's Emo Sean camping out in Top 1000 Studios. Emo Sean's getting a little gamey, so he's using Mr. Chris Nairn's facilities. Just taking a shower, singing some tunes. Speaking of tunes, here's a battle that is sure to please. Episode 27 is a fight with some heavy hitters. Elvis, Guns N' Roses, Beatles, Rolling Stones, and Metallica. Oof, some beasts. Emo Sean has to finish loofahing. Enjoy the carnage. Sweet emotion. One thousand rings, one thousand rings, one song, song. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, Chris Nair, and this is Top One Thousand Radio. This is episode twenty-seven, song battle number twenty-six. And let's start off by welcoming all our new listeners. Uh, it's been amazing. Uh, a lot of new people coming in. Thanks for following and rating the show five stars. If you haven't done so, please do. If you know someone who likes music, music trivia, in-depth music theory, and subjective methodology, let them know we're here. And if you want an explanation of what we're doing, check out episode 15. And I will. we've added some stuff since my last uh, explainer. Um, you know, we've got the, the kick to the kicked from the curb list. I'm not going to do one of those today, but, uh, uh, we'll have another one coming up. And, uh, so, and the whole Eagles thing, uh, that's developed since, since the, uh, since episode 15. So, um, I'm going to add to the explanation. Okay. I have, I really have two goals here. I think I only mentioned one in, in episode 15. Uh, I, so the one I think I talked about was I want to present a model for how to create an unassailable list of a thousand songs. Now, everybody's got their reasons for having playlists. Uh, some people like to listen to albums. I like to listen to albums all the way through sometimes, but not always. I like to have a go-to list that I can, that I can put on there that won't disappoint. Okay. The second thing... And, and the, the way I'm doing this, remember, is not just so you can hear me tell you about the music I like, okay? It's, it's to give you uh, a, a way, a method of creating your own list. So that's what I talk about in episode 15, the nuts and bolts of it. Um, but beyond that, kind of the, you know, the bigger picture view, uh, I want to develop a method for discovering new music that can stand up to the greatest music you've ever heard. You see, so like one of my great pleasures in life is discovering new music. Uh, imagine you all feel the same. And it's kind of haphazard the way I've been doing it. Um, I hear about a band, uh, I add a whole album of theirs to my main list, and then I'll discover it as the algorithm sees fit. Because I like, I like to discover music the way we used to uh, when you would listen to the radio. Um, and the older... My generation got the less the you know the less the stations we tended to like would play new music because the you know they're 
formatting and all, it, they stuck with what they thought worked, and uh, they were very reticent to try anything new. And so you would have to go to some stations where, you know, most of it you weren't going to like to hear anything that you haven't already heard before. Or you just forget the radio and and just stick with buying music from the store. And that was always, uh, you know, that was always hit or miss. Okay, when I was a kid and I was, you know, first started paying for my own music, I mean, I had to be really precious about it. I mean, I, you know, I'd work, I'd work all summer just to make, you know, 50 bucks, 60, 70 bucks, you know, keeping score at baseball games, you know, so, and an album cost, you know, 10 bucks, 11 bucks, and um, that was a big chunk of your, your summer money right there, and, uh, and so, you know, Every now and then I would ask the guy at the Camelot Music Store what he would recommend. And a couple times he gave me good, you know, uh, good recommendations. A couple times not. Sometimes I would base it on the album cover. Okay, my first Armored Saint record, I I'd, I'd, said, oh, that's a cool album cover. Okay, and I didn't like it as much as, you know, I, I think I bought that one and Crusade, uh, Saxon's Crusader at the same time because they had very, very similar album covers, you know, Knights and stuff. And, uh... I like the I like the Saxon one more. Uh, I grew to like the Armored Saint uh, stuff later, but um, but anyway, that you know that that was a process that could really disappoint. I mean, I bought uh, the autograph album based on that one song, "Turn Up the Radio," and and there was nothing good on that album other than that song, and that song wasn't even that great. So um, yeah, so this this is a I, I I'm trying to create a method of you know, adding new stuff to my list. Okay. Um, and this, this way, you know, the way I've been doing it, it, if it catches my ear, I keep it. If it doesn't, I go in and I purge. Um, and that's a little bit haphazard, you know, it's kind of a waste of time. So, uh, this way I'll put a new song. Once I've got my, my list solidified somewhat. Okay. Um, then it's, it's like the Constitution, you know, the Constitution, boom, it's written, it's done, but you have an amendment process, okay? This is, this is the amendment process, all right? So uh, somebody will, you know, hey, have you ever heard this band or, you know, that band? Um, I'll take, you know, what, what's a good song of theirs? I'll take it and I'll put it in a song battle, you know, like I've been doing. I'll make a, a, a list of five, a playlist of five songs and I'll listen to them, you know, randomly plus the new song. Um, this is later. Again, this is what we're doing now is we're just getting the list together. All right. But later on down the road, you know, something that I can do for, you know, indefinitely is is take new songs, put them up against four already on the list and see how it see how it stands up. OK, if it stands, you know, it doesn't have to win, you know, a battle against four established songs. It just has to stand up and and, and be competitive. And then maybe maybe it gets a shot on the list somewhere. So, um, so that, anyway, that's that's down the road in the future. Um, but that's that's kind of what we're doing here. Um, before I get to the the song notes, uh, I want to give a shout out to people who've been uh, participating, especially at the uh, Sensatorial Layman and Women poll at Instagram. Um, very uh, uh, accomplished artist Wade Acuff. He's been he's been in there. Uh, you know, this guy's done some amazing things in, in screen on the screen that you've probably seen before. Uh, my boy Aaron uh, does a great job uh, where I work. Uh, May, Dingle, uh, Wesley, Axel, 
Brandy, Elora, Garrison, Amy, who I, you know, have a special place in my heart for because she's my wife. And then uh, Cinda. Uh, and then I think we had some other ones. They don't always, everybody doesn't always vote on the same thing. I think that was it over, over at the slaw poll. And then we've got, um, oh gosh, we've got a lot of people in the Council of Learn and Elders here. We've got, uh, oh, John, where's my sheet here? Oh, we got Emo Sean, obviously, and Artillo. We've got Coach Josh. We've got Coach Taylor. We've got Major Steve. We got my boy Leland. We got Farmer Tom. Okay, we got a got quite the the uh, list there. So, uh, guys, thanks a lot for uh, participating. All right. Okay. Without further ado, let's get on to our song. Lonesome Tonight, Elvis Presley, written by Roy Turk and Lou Hanman in 1926. The Blue Baron Orchestra reached the top 20 on the Billboard's Pop Singles Chart in 1950 with the song. It was recorded during the sessions for Elvis's Back. His, his version reached number one in 1960. From Info Galactic. In the final months of his service in the United States Army, Elvis Presley began experimenting with new material in anticipation of his return to recording. His first recording session was scheduled for March 20th, 1960 at RCA's Studio B. had recently been equipped with a new three-track recorder. To improve the recording of Presley's voice, engineer Bill Porter had a Telefunken U47 microphone installed. A follow-up session was scheduled for April. During the selection of the material for the sessions, Presley's manager, Colonel Tom Parker, suggested, Are You Lonesome Tonight? the favorite song of Parker's wife, Marie Mott, who knew the song from Gene Austin's act since he was also managed at the time by her husband. It was the only time he intervened in Presley's choice of repertoire. Presley returned to the studio with his band consisting of Scotty Moore, drummer DJ Fontana, pianist Floyd Kramer, guitarist Hank Garland, bassist Bobby Moore, percussionist Buddy Harmon, and the Jordanaires. After the eight songs Parker needed for Elvis's back were recorded, Presley moved on to his manager's request. At 4 a.m. on April 4th, the singer began recording Are You Lonesome Tonight, accompanied by the acoustic guitar, drums, bass, and the backup group. He asked everyone else in the studio to leave the session, told Chet Atkins to turn the lights out, and perform the song with the spoken bridge. After the second take, Presley said to producer Steve Scholes, Throw that tune out. I can't do it justice. Scholes told engineer Bill Porter to ignore Presley's order and asked the singer to do a new take, explaining that the Jordanaires had bumped into their microphone stand while recording in the dark. Presley performed the song once more, and that take became the master for the singles. Thank you. 
Sweet Child of Mine by Guns N' Roses. Third single from 1988 debut album, Appetite for Destruction. The band's only number one single in the United States. From Infogalactic. During a jam session at the band's house on the Sunset Strip, drummer Steven Adler and Slash were warming up and Slash began to play a circus melody while making faces at Adler. Rhythm guitarist Izzy Stradlin asked Slash to play it again. Stradlin came up with some chords, Duff McKagan created a bass line, and Adler planned a beat. In his autobiography, Slash said, within an hour, my guitar exercise had become something else. Lead singer Axl Rose was listening to the musicians upstairs in his room and was inspired to write lyrics, which he completed by the following afternoon. He based it on his girlfriend, Erin Everly, the daughter of Don Everly, Venetia Stevenson declared that Leonard Skinner served as an inspiration to make sure we had got that heartfelt feeling. On the next composing session in Burbank, the band added a bridge and a guitar solo. When the band recorded demos with producer Spencer Proffer, he suggested adding a breakdown at the song's end. The musicians agreed, but were not sure what to do. Listening to the demo in a loop, Rose started saying to himself, Where do we go? Where do we go now? And Proffer suggested that he sing that. Guitar Slash said in 1990, the song turned into a huge hit, and now it makes me sick. I mean, I like it, but I hate what it represents. To my fans down under, I'm aware of the Australian crawl controversy. track let it be beatles 1970 final album which was released just after the group split up the single reached number one in the united kingdom the united states ireland canada new zealand the netherlands australia france west germany mexico norway switzerland austria and belgium the only single created credited to another artist billy preston at their request the beatles first single released in true stereo in the united states from infogalactic the song's melody grew out of some unstructured jamming on January 7, 1969 during rehearsal sessions on the soundstage at Twickenham Studios. After working out the rhythm and harmony of the primary riff on his Hoffner bass, McCartney introduced some lyrics reworking Get Back to the Place You Should Be from fellow Beatle George Harrison's Sour Milk Sea into Get Back to Where You Once Belong. On January 9th, McCartney brought a more developed version to get back to the group with the Sweet Loretta verse close to its finished version. For the press release to promote Get Back single, McCartney wrote, We were sitting in the studio and we made it up out of thin air. We started to write words there and then and we finished it and we recorded it at Apple Studios and made it into a song to roller coaster by. She would never say where she came from. 
Ruby Tuesday by the Rolling Stones from their seventh studio album, Between the Buttons, 1967, the band's fourth number one hit in the United States, from Info Galactic. The sound was achieved by Brian Jones playing a counter melody on an alto recorder, while the double bass was jointly played by bassist Bill Wyman and guitarist Keith Richards. Wyman did the fingerings while Richards bowed the instrument. Ruby Tuesday was re- released as the B-side to let's spend the night together, January 1967. Due to the controversial nature of the A-side lyrics, Ruby Tuesday earned more airplay and ended up charting higher in the U.S. Wolf and Man from Metallica's fifth studio album, Metallica, better known as the Black Album, 1991, an album that will sell 31 million copies. From the website Song Facts, producer Bob Rock recalled to musicradar.com in a 2011 interview that he originally had misgivings about vocalist James Hetfield's lupine lyrics for his song. He explained... I'll be honest, at first I thought it was silly to write about a wolf. I was like, oh great, a song about a wolf. What are you effing getting at? May as well write about pyramids or something. When metal goes in these kinds of areas, I lose the plot. Then as we got more into James's lyrics, I realized the song wasn't silly, that there was an earthiness to it. We talked about making the song go through a transformation, kind of reflecting the lyrics. It took a while. I'm not sure if we got there fully, but we got there most of the way. In a 2009 study published in the journal Biology Letters, scientists played music for tamarind monkeys. The apes, the monkeys' behavior didn't noticeably change when they were listening to Samuel Barber, Nine Inch Nails, or Tool. But when they heard of Wolf and Man, they grew noticeably calmer. All right, let's hear from Artillo first. Yo, this is Artillo. I know I said I wasn't going to comment this round, but I'm going to do it anyway, and here's why. Stand back, because Artillo's about to judge this on a sole basis of sentimentality and raw emotion of the moment. Number five, are you lonesome tonight, Elvis? Just because. Number four, of Wolf and Man Metallica. Dang, I actually haven't listened to this in years. What the heck? So that makes me want to upvote it purely for nostalgic purposes. Back to the meaning of life. Number three, Get Back by the Beatles. Normally wouldn't be this high on my list, but I'm feeling saucy, so they gets it. Number two, Sweet Child of Mine. Usually a top pick, but it ain't the mood right now, so it goes down. And number one, Ruby Tuesday by the Stones. The song itself, you know, the song writing bugs me, but it's got huge instrumentation interest. 
It's just ballsy and amusing that they tried that. Still gets a one from me though, and that is my one cold, calculated, non-emotional response for today. Peace. Get to the polls. All right, first off, the uh, challenger poll to uh, get on the list. We're not replacing anyone now until the Eagles are completely gone. Uh, but the winner of the uh, challenger poll was John Denver. Uh, John Denver came in first place. The Cranberries came in second. It was close. It was one one vote away. Um, and Queens Wright brought up the rear, unfortunately. Um, don't worry, honey. I will get the Queens Wright on the list. All right. No kick from the curb poll today. Um, but we did, we do have the, uh, the coleslaw Congress. We had, uh, the council of learning, learned elders, the coal part of the coleslaw Congress. Uh, they went big for sweet child of mine with 28 total points coming in second. There would be a wolf and man with 21 points. And then we had a two way tie for third place, uh, with get back and Ruby Tuesday and are you lonesome tonight bringing up the rear? All right. Our sensatorial layman and women, the slaw part of the Coleslaw Congress, they came in uh, for get back with seven total votes. And in second place was of Wolf and Man, but that's because it got my default five for not being on the list because Instagram won't let me put five on the list. And I knew I wasn't going to kick that one off, but we'll see if it's the winner or not. Uh, overall um in third place was sweet child of mine and then a tie uh for last place with ruby tuesday and are you lonesome tonight so the total across the poll the whole entire uh joint session of the coleslaw congress uh you got sweet child of mine in first place a tie for second with get back in a wolf and man and then you've got ruby tuesday and finally are you lonesome tonight coming in last all right so where do I come down? What's my verdict? All right. I am going to give the top spot to Sweet Child of Mine. A great Guns N' Roses song. Um, it it shares something in common with, uh, uh, what was the other, so the, with the Get Back uh, recording, you know, where it just kind of, it just kind of grew out of a jam session. And I think, um, I think those are some of the better songs and, and they tend to be, they, they seem like they're the songs that the artists don't really like very much. I don't know about the Beatles. I, I didn't get to finish that documentary that Peter Jackson did. Um, but I can't even find it. If anybody knows where to find the dang thing, I thought it was on Disney+, Plus, but I can't find it. Anyway, um, yeah, I don't know what the Beatles, how they felt about Get Back. They probably felt pretty good about it. But uh, I, I've just noticed that uh, a lot of artists who just kind of do these songs on the fly. You know, they capture lightning on a bottle and, and they just blow up out of nowhere and they don't understand, like, we didn't even really work that hard, you know, on the song, you know. Um, it just came to us, you know. Well, that's that's kind of how the muse works. And when it when it shows up, you you probably ought to appreciate it, you know, especially if it turns into, a, into your only number one hit. So, you know, uh, if Slash wants to hate on his own song, you know, I like it, but it makes me sick. You know, it's like, what does that even mean? Um, it's a great song. It, it, you know, senior year of high school for me, and uh, just like, you know, uh, it's it's. I there was this band that used to play at our at our parties. We used to throw these giant raging, you know, parties like you see in 
John Hughes movies from the 1980s. And, uh, and that, that stuff was real, by the way, that, that if you're a young person and you watch those movies from the eighties and then, you know, you see these, these crazy house parties, they, they really were like that. Um, there was this band, uh, that we used to have play at ours called white lie. And the singer, he sounded a lot. I thought he sounded a lot like Axel and, um, it was one of those weird things where, you know, Guns N' Roses had just come out and you were just barely hearing about them. And, uh, you know, this is like, we're talking about 1987 here, not 1988. Um, and I don't know. I just kind of got them mixed up. Like, like, you know, like, are they the same band? You know, this is one of those weird, just lasted like five minutes of cognitive dissonance. But, um, but anyway, you know, they were kind of like, you know, the soundtrack of, of, of my senior year and then the couple of years after that. Um, and so, uh, so that gets my big win. My and second place is going to be a Wolf and man Metallica. Um, I'm one of those Metallica fans that still, still thinks of the black album as their new stuff, <laughs> but it's a great song. And, and it, it reminds me a lot of, uh, um, well, when it came out on the death magnetic album, uh, the song "All Nightmare Long" reminded me of of Wolf and Man. It's one of the reasons. It's kind of like a, I don't know. It seems like a, a sequel <laughs> to to uh, Wolf and Man, but uh, I love that that uh, you know uh, shape shift. You know, the, I love that 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 chorus. Um, it's really cool, and uh, you know, there there's stuff all the way up to the Black Album was solid i mean it really every album had had no weaknesses on them i don't think you know and that, that was just a monster monster of an album that i you know kind of re- resisted getting into because um i don't know i was going through some weird things <laughs> but uh but i you know obviously i got into it later this is a side note here. Uh, it's a little conversation we had after the fact. And I just wanted to throw in here. This is the Werewolf Write-Up. Along with rodeo songs, I love all werewolf songs. And I gotta say, I have always categorized of Wolf and Man as a werewolf song. And not simply wolf song. I guess maybe it's got something more spiritually earthy intended, but I don't care. It tells stories that totally fit the genre, and therefore it will not be denied by me. But also, I forgot it existed. <laughs> um, Werewolves of London is at the very bottom of my werewolf song ranking, but of course it does make the werewolf category cut, which means it's unassailable. Also, Chinese food. Three thumbs up from me. All right, so number three, the third place is going to be Get Back. This is one of the one of the few Beatles songs that that I I can I can still listen to and not get tired of. I think it just they they really captured something there, and um, yeah, I think I my my entry to that song would have been the uh, I think it was uh, Aerosmith. Aerosmith cover, which might be a better version. I gotta re-listen. I probably should have listened to that again um, before I I did the song battle. But um, uh, that's that's my I first heard that version before I heard this one. But it, but this one's really good too. Um, it it might get kicked off though in favor of the Aerosmith version at some point. 
All right. And then in my fourth place, uh, Are You Lonesome Tonight, Elvis. Never was one of my favorite Elvis songs. Um, I prefer his live versions of it uh, that he does, you know, where he kind of mumbles through the, the talking part and, uh, you know, jokes around with it. I think someone claimed that he never he never spoke he never did this that spoken part the same twice and i think i was re, you know able to prove that wrong pretty i think malcolm gladwell said it i don't know if you're if you're familiar with malcolm gladwell he's one of those uh trendy thinker you know think thought leader types uh he used to write uh articles <laughs> he used to write articles that uh defended smoking as a as a societal good you know he was being paid by the by the tobacco companies to write these articles, but he used to write these articles. And then he, you know, now he's, he's one of these people that, you know, uh, wants to ban football and, and stuff like that. So a real egghead. Um, but he, he had this, he had this thing where he thought Elvis was, you know, he was really pushing this Elvis as a cultural appropriator, uh, nonsense. I think the, the Baz Luhrmann movie biopic that came out uh, last year or whenever, um, really kind of, you know, at least squash that in the popular consciousness, that idea of Elvis as a cultural culture, culture appropriator. Um, Elvis was from that culture. I mean, he was a poor white kid and he, you know, he was, he, in Mississippi. I mean, he, that, that there's no cultural appropriation. That's his culture right there. Okay. Um, so whatever he was doing, whatever, and you know, he, he, Malcolm Gladwell made the, the the comparison of him to Pat Boone, Elvis to Pat Boone. And if you're not familiar with Pat Boone, um, he was the ultimate, like, uh, you know, he would take songs like Little Richard's Tutti Frutti and he would do the most white bread version you've ever heard of it. All right. In fact, they, they, the, the Ozzy Osbourne used to live next door. They were next door neighbors, believe it or not. Pat Boone and Ozzy Osbourne were, were neighbors at one point. And uh, when, um, when, Ozzy and his family did their little reality TV show. They used uh, uh, Pat Boone's version of Crazy Train. <laughs> Pat Boone did this this uh, album of heavy metal covers where he he you know took a you know it was like a kind of like a Frank Sinatra kind of orchestra type of thing, and then he would croon over it. And uh, it's 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 fun stuff in an ironic way, you know. And I got no problem with Pat Boone. Don't get me wrong. Pat Boone, as far as, far as by all accounts, is a great guy. Even Ozzy and his family love the guy. Um, but what I'm getting at is Malcolm Gladwell's full of crap. Okay, uh, he, his 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 comparison was like Pat Boone is like Taco Bell. All right, that. Uh, you know, Taco Bell is is doing Mexican food, but they know it's not authentic, and so they and so they go with it, and they create something new and fun and creative and whatever. And that's what Pat Boone was doing. But what Elvis was doing was he was just doing a carbon copy of these blah 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 artists like that, which is just absolute balderdash. Okay, it's asinine. And uh, so anyway, um, I just that, that made me think of that. Um, you know, you, you can find versions of Elvis speaking that that uh that part and doing the same he just liked to joke around about it sometimes he was high sometimes elvis was uh you know <laughs> three sheets to the wind or whatever you call it when you're zonked out on uh you know uppers and downers at the same time or whatever they did to get him you know to get him on stage uh but but a lot of times it was just him screwing around he get you know after you're doing you know three four shows a night 
and Vegas and you're doing the same songs over and over again, you know, you got your you're you're entitled to have a little bit of fun every now and then. Okay. Um, and then so in the last place we have Ruby Tuesday. And that's not that's not a bad Rolling Stone song. I'm not tired of it. Um I think it's it's a good song. I can still listen to it. I like the the little recorder part, even though I think some people find that annoying. Um, it's yeah, it's interesting the way they do the double bass. Uh, the, you know, not a lot of people do that. Um, so it's a it's a good song. I like the uh, you know when it kicks into the chorus, how the drums kick in and everything. Uh, but it it was up against some very stiff competition, so. Uh, but it's not getting kicked off, so you can if you, if that was a song you wanted me to keep on there, well, there you go. All right, that's the verdict. Sweet Child of Mine, a big winner. Ruby Tuesday, not necessarily a big loser. Uh, all right, so our next challenge to get on the list, not necessarily to kick anyone off, but the challenge poll. Uh, this one will be interesting. Okay, I don't think there's a. I don't think I can. Um, read my audience enough to know which i know they're not going to pick alan jackson he's back on the list so what i'm going to do this time is i'm going to give you a song to go listen to and i'm going to i'm going to put them up on uh on youtube uh, not youtube screw youtube i'm going to put them up on um facebook and probably instagram and maybe even twitter if you're a twitter person um so i'm going to put alan jackson the song drive okay which i really like Seven Mary Three, Cumbersome, and Tesla, Love Song. Okay, so we'll see which one. So you're basically voting for the song on this one to see to get, to get the song on the list. All right? And then our next song battle, song battle number 27, will be, here we go. Emo Sean is... Uh, Everybody knows. Somebody better start cooking some turkey. Until the 23rd of November. Um, oh, Little Town of Bethlehem by Elvis. This is a really uh, this this next song battle is going to be a battle of contrasts. Stop. A lot of contrasts here because right out and this is the random number generator doing this. This isn't me, okay? All right, I, I I just punch these numbers into the number generator and they come out as they come out in the order they come out. The only thing that I do is if it's a if it's a group or an artist that that's been on the previous song battle, I hit the number again and I and I put a new number in. Okay, that's it. So we got Oh Little Town of Bethlehem by Elvis. Then we got Rat Salad by Black Sabbath. Then we got Tiny Dancer, Elton John. And then Lawyers, Guns, and Money by Warren Zavon. If you haven't heard that song, okay, do not vote on this poll unless you've heard Lawyers, Guns, and Money. Okay, you've got to listen to that song. All right, if you if you like shows like Narcos and uh you know, any of those uh, outlaws, uh, sons of anarchy, you know, anything about the Cold War, if you're if you're interested in the Cold War, Lawyers, Guns, and Money is, is <laughs> you're going to dig it, okay? And then we round it out with Fortunate Son, Creedence Clearwater Revival, okay? That's a monster. There's a couple of monsters on here that I think are going to do well, but all right, that'll be an interesting song about. All right, what we're going to do is we're going to play you out with another... Uh, metal bird song called vicious circle and uh, i think you guys will enjoy this you guys have a good one and my mind is clean
stay tuned for an upcoming episode revealing the results of the Sleigh Bell Pool, in addition to a lot of new content. Stop bugging. Emotion. <laughs>